Welcome back to One Winning Pod. The Ravens are victorious in New York. Well, technically New Jersey. 24 to 9 against the Jets. Joe Flacco fell to the Ravens and uh, he was kind of generous, you know. He got sacked three times. He gave us a pick. Um, it was a good game, you know, like not particularly flashy from the Ravens, but I thought they just held their own pretty well after kind of a slow start. Yeah, I mean, and you have to give the Jets defense credit here in this game. They came out, granted, of course, the Ravens played the first few offensive series conservative, like we said it was possible we could expect from them, given the guys coming back from injury, Lamar not having any preseason action with receivers. So, you know, they they looked competent to begin with and looked like it it might be a a slow, drawn-out defensive struggle. Um, but unfortunately for the Jets' defense, the offensive line of the Jets made it practically impossible for aging Joe Flacco to do anything. Not many running holes for Brees Hall, and Michael Carter was able to do a decent job. But yeah, you know, credit the Jets' defense. Like I said, they played well enough that if their offense got something going, it might have been an interesting game. But uh, the Ravens' defense overmatched the Jets' offense and, and really tipped the scales in favor of the Ravens. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I think uh, you know, as, as as Ravens fans, I think the, the the you know the people who still kind of wish for Joe Flacco, you know, for good things for him. I think this was one of those games that just kind of reiterated, you know, that unfortunately, you know, Flacco is who he is. I think at this point, I think for me, at the end of the day, I mean, he's showing the same thing that he showed, you know, at the end of his Ravens tenure in Denver, in Philadelphia, and now in New York of his, you know, third down, you know, conversion rate was abysmal. Um, And it's unfortunate because he can still make so many throws. I think there were parts of the game where he was really ripping the ball downfield and being accurate and, uh, you know, ripping off chunk plays. I think he ended up with over 300 yards passing. Uh, but the attempt numbers are huge. I think he, you know, attempted fifty-eight passes or something 59. like that. Which Holy is, cow! He was approaching his that. career high. They said right. the same on the broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's something that you certainly don't want to see. Um, you know, I know. Yeah, you know, the the stats for the Ravens. Whenever he had that many attempts, that means that the Ravens were on the losing end. He should not be passing that much. He should be giving in the ball to the running backs more. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, at the end of that, like he's ripping the ball around, but you know, just could not convert third downs. Uh, the guy has taken too many bad sacks, which again, you know, you can part of on the offensive line, but, but still, you know, part of that is also on Flacco, but, um, and then a few just, you know, plays from the jets too. Like they got unlucky with a few, um, that fumble with Brees Hall, like that it killed a drive that was looking great. I mean, Joe was, was really looking good on that drive. Um, you know, completely killed that. Um, there were, you know, a handful of other ones that were just kind of like outside their control, which, you know, was, uh, you know, unfortunate, you know, from that perspective, but, uh, certainly, you know, for me, I think it just kind of reiterated that like, <laughs> if for anyone who might still be listening and thinking like having any second thoughts about moving on from war one, I don't know why you'd want to have that, but two, I feel like this is reiterating, like, look, Joe's not the same quarterback anymore. It's okay. That's fine. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Move on. His heyday was a decade ago, okay? <laughs> 2012 was a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, it is what it is. I will say, guys, like, you know, Flacco was playing this game because Zach Wilson was hurt. And, similarly, the Ravens had those three 
maybe even arguably four injuries lingering from last year, Stanley, Boyle, Dobbins, and Peters. And the latter two, while they were practicing to try to show that they could play, um, even in warmups that morning, they decided not to let him go. Um, I heard that Phil, or Peters was going up and down the uh, stairs like Rocky style. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, he he didn't play. Dobbins didn't play. So, of course, my bold prediction failed. I guess I'll have to use it next week uh, just because uh, <laughs> I think when he finally does show up, he's going to show up big. But, uh, yeah, kind of left the Ravens a little thin, right? We saw, and, and because of it, we saw Drake as a starting running back. And then Armour Davis actually played a little bit uh, after a very quiet preseason with injury. So uh, kind of interesting to see how that shook out. Yeah, and we were talking about it before recording how now the with the way teams are doing preseason differently with really rationing how many snaps you give the starters and obviously with the Ravens this year plenty of starters didn't even suit up for any preseason game at all that in a lot of ways this first week this new added 17th week whether whatever you want to look at it as the last or the first of the season is kind of turning into kind of an extended preseason you know you have to wonder also if field conditions might have had to do something with keeping those guys out. It was a wet game. Not crazy wet, it seemed, watching from the broadcast, but still, you know, not ide- 100% ideal conditions from a weather perspective. And it's clear coming away from this game that the Ravens didn't need those guys to go out and win this game. But you, you do wonder if this was a game against a, a marquee opponent, say say Pittsburgh or... Um, Buffalo in week one, would the Ravens have tried to get those guys to play? Did the expected game script play an impact on that? And these guys are ready to go, but you didn't need necessarily need all the dogs on the field to get this one. So they let them rest up a little longer. Just a thought. I won't pretend to know what the Ravens training staff is thinking there, but I, I think the point remains that it's fortunate the Ravens did hold them out long term regardless of what the reason was, because they weren't needed for this game. Right. Uh, I mean, the other thing, too, um, you know, uh, infamously, the uh, stadium in East Rutherford has is one of the few, I guess, with artificial turf and has been notorious for season-ending injuries. And unfortunately, the Ravens did not leave that uh, stadium unscathed. Uh, we'll talk about it more later, but there looks like, you know, you know, it, I think there's a confirmed season-ender for Juwan James which is unfortunate. Um, and then Kyle Fuller, um, it definitely did not look good, uh, at least on the field. I think in the fourth quarter, he kind of had his injury, but um, I don't think we have confirmation as of yet. It's, we're recording Sunday night, uh, which is a little bit earlier than usual. Uh, we actually usually record Monday or, or Tuesday night, but had to push it up uh, due to schedules. But but yeah, um, you know that might have had something to do with it as well. I'd argue that the guys who were inactive uh, of those those four that we spoke of are likely or healthier now than they will be by the postseason, just from like the attrition that goes on with the body over the course of an NFL grueling season. But they're basically just saying, you know what? We don't need it right now. I, I, I bet you at least for honestly, I would say for everybody, but Stanley, I feel pretty confident they would have played if it was a postseason game. I have no idea what's going on with Boyle. He looked decent plus in preseason. I was very surprised to see him inactive, and it made me very concerned that, like, this man may never be the same. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I brought it up when we were talking with Jason. I saw it kind of differently. Boyle did not look 100% healthy to me. And again, you know, I'm not going to sit here and 
claim that I have any knowledge of physical therapy and athletic injuries, you know, more beyond what I've gone through myself. I just know I was watching Boyle in the preseason and comparing it with some film that I'd previously seen, and he just did not look right to me. And I'm fully saying I could be completely off base. You know, I'm just doing my best here to play <laughs> amateur scout with zero credentials. But, I, <laughs> and, you know, I'm rooting for Boyle. I am. You know, I, you know, I blew out my knee in a freak basketball accident back in early January. What was that? 2017 by now. And it's, um, it's crazy. This is the first year where I've had zero pain in the knee. Like, and even like, there's no, like any, um, any stiffness in like trying to, to extend it or anything like these type of injuries. And like I said, boy, what boil had was worse than what I did. They can really F with your body. Like you're, you have to completely revamp the type of athlete you are at whatever level you you happen to be. Clearly, I'm not you know trying to do it at Boyle's level, but yeah, as someone who's gone through that type of thing and having to figure out how to you know kind of readjust to the realities of a rehabilitated leg injury, I was looking at at some of the stuff in preseason watching Boyle do it. And I'm just like, yeah, he's still trying to figure it out from what it looks like to me. He's you know still trying to figure out how does he move, not just from, you know, the new injury standpoint, he's playing at a lower weight. Um, and it could just be, you know, some weeks are going to be tougher than others. And, you know, I, I don't know. That's a long tangent to say that it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Boyle. Um, leg injuries are a huge question mark and I'm rooting for the guy. I am rooting for him to come back and be Nick Boyle, but yeah, the preseason definitely had me concerned with him, and week one had, didn't help. Well, that's kind of a good segue. I think we should probably talk about um, you know one thing that wasn't uh, super great in this game, but uh, again, I think it kind of comes back to a lot of the question marks here. So the 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 run uh, running offense, right? Uh, the run game. Uh, you know, for me, I th- I think especially early on in the game, I think the Ravens were really struggling with execution. You know, I saw a few uncharacteristic just misses um, from Ricard um, and some of the blocks where he's asked to kind of move across the formation, um, just wasn't able to get to his guy. Uh, Andrews, I thought, had one or two of those uh, blocks that 2020, 2021, you would have expected those guys to make those, no problem. Uh, Just uncharacteristic. And, you know, again, you know, could have been the weather situation, maybe. Could it be because this is sort of the extended preseason? Maybe. You know, but certainly not something that you like to see uh, from the Ravens. But yeah, it's 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 a little bit of a concern. But you know, in the back of my mind, I guess I'm thinking like it's still week one. This isn't a trend. <laughs> it's just one data point. First game. I'm not sure how much we can glean from it. But uh, you know, when you add that you know Boyle was inactive. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's, it's certainly a question of of whether this is something that they can get fixed. I'll say the the only good thing uh, that I'm looking forward to at least is that it, it kind of felt like 2021 again. You know, to me, it was really surprising that Drake got the start. He's the newest running back on the team, and he's <laughs> starting for this. I think I only saw Mike Davis on a handful of plays, and one of them he had that fumble, uh, which is you know fortunately recovered by the Ravens. I think that was in uh, the third quarter, uh, but just very uncharacteristic and and just a little bit of a surprise to me. So. Um, a lot of moving pieces, um, definitely 
definitely was a concern going into week one. I think after seeing the game in week one, it's almost more of a concern. Uh, but then again, yeah, we'll we'll have to see who comes back, and uh, you know, I'll have to see what it the what it looks like against Miami. Only sixty three rushing yards for the Ravens, which uh, was a big disappointment. But honestly, like you're saying, they didn't get the push. Like a couple times, it looked like the tight ends were out of balance and not getting their blocks, not sealing. And I also was just kind of surprised by uh, the execution. Maybe it was just the the rain, but yeah, definitely got that like extended extended preseason vibe. Like you're saying, like a little bit more vanilla. Uh, the play calling. Only uh, 213 yards passing for Lamar Jackson. So in total, we had less than 300 yards. We had less yards than Joe Flacco passed for. And then they had 83 additional yards running. So like we were able to score 24 points off of all that. And they were empty calorie uh, yards for them in only nine. So pretty interesting how that kind of played out. The, the offense was pretty efficient on the drives that it actually, I guess, took the distance. You know, like if it got yards, it usually ended up in a touchdown. I think actually the one time that they had the best field position after the, yeah, it was the best field position they had all game from the interception. They were like, oh yeah, we'll just get a field goal here. (laughs) So kind of interesting how that played out uh, for the offense. Uh, Well, the one thing I was going to say, mentioned that was, I guess, well, not, not really like good with the run game, but I guess something that was probably a positive, the thing to take away was that Lamar Jackson really was not a threat. Uh, rushing the ball much if at all this game uh, he primarily stood in the pocket uh, for most of the time I know this is something that we had kind of talked about in the preseason and that you know people from the Ravens I think it also mentioned where you know this isn't the 2019 offense where Lamar is always playing out of the pistol or out of the shotgun granted sometimes that did happen but he played under center a lot more this game and um, not only that but just I think there was only maybe a few, I can only think of maybe like one or two rush attempts, I think, at all this game that he had. There weren't that many design runs from Lamar. It was almost entirely the running backs at this point. And so, you know, in terms of was the Ravens rushing attack, like, was this a problem? Like, like if, if this was if this was a Lamar-centric running game where Lamar and the running backs are shut down all game, then I would be... A little bit more concerned but because Lamar really wasn't a factor at all and that not really and that was kind of by design I feel like I'm a little bit less worried um, because that's something that we can add into the offense over time uh, especially as you know execution starts to get a little bit better uh, Lamar can start to take some more of those options yeah I think that's a great point to bring up because like you're saying we always know that the Ravens can fall back on Lamar going out there and, and running for first downs and, and running all over the field if nothing else is working. But to look at this game and, and point out, hey, the Ravens are able to, to score three touchdowns and a field goal very comfortably with Lamar practically being a, a pocket passer, I think you know you got to look at that at, at takeaway as a plus from this game, even though it was against an opponent that we're expecting, you know, could take the leap this year, but also we would be you know, completely unsurprised if they didn't. So I think especially considering this was Lamar's first uh, game back from the injury, first time we've seen him since uh, going down in Cleveland last year, that was a real positive. And I, I, that's what something we were looking for. And it was really encouraging to f- see him take that first um, step in 2022 
and basically do everything you'd want him to do from a passing perspective. I like what I saw out of Lamar as far as being a pocket passer. I think that um, he's you know stood confidently in the pocket, you know, found the time. He just looked like himself uh, back there, and I think the key was that he created that time in the pocket to hit those deeper shots that resulted in the touchdowns. He scrambled to find uh, Duvernay for the first touchdown connection. I guess that was actually that was the second touchdown connection. I can't remember if the first one there was a scramble. And then, of course, for Bateman with that 55-yard pass, he had to stay in the pocket a long time for that to develop, and then he just kind of launched it, and it was one of those things of beauty. I love whenever I see him launch it downfield and push it downfield because it, I have a lot of trust in his uh, decision-making and uh, his ability to deliver a ball that um, you know our player can can catch and and do something with so I I was I was really I thought that was a positive takeaway for me was seeing them push the field so there were definitely components to take away from this game that gave me a little bit of confidence but they're gonna have to be way better at executing particularly in the run game to win some of these higher level of competition games oh for sure yeah and I kind of agree with you guys I think overall I thought Lamar had a pretty good game from a passing perspective. Um, you know, obviously there's a little bit of rust on there. There were a few passes I'm sure that he'd kind of like to have back, just a few off-target throws. But you're right, Alec. I mean, he was certainly was taking deep shots. You know, not until Bateman finally connected on that 55-yard uh, pass. Um, I think he had like two, two kind of like deep attempts that kind of just fell. One of them I think fell short, and the other one. I think Bateman didn't seem to want to uh, try and uh, make like a diving grab in the end zone to <laughs> try and get whether he could have made it or not, you know, debatable. But, you know, it certainly took a few attempts before they finally connected on that. But, you know, again, I think it goes back to, you know, just kind of good decision making. Um, overall, I think it was, you know, good for Lamar to kind of take those shots, but to do it in a, in a sort of a safe way. Um, There's really only one decision, which was the interception at the end of the game, which just it's a little bit weird. I'm not sure why, you know, Lamar needed to push the ball down the sideline like that. You know, and that one was actually more of an underthrow, and it was just a kind of a poor decision, poor throw in that, in that situation. Fortunately, it didn't really matter. You know, I guess it led to six points, um, but at that point, the game was kind of already sealed, so it didn't really make much of a difference in the whole game script. Yeah, I actually liked that play. Um, you know, I, I haven't rewatched the highlight of it yet. I thought I saw it get tipped before it, it um after it left his hand i have to double check but you know at that point the game's won again like we said lamar didn't practice in preseason let's let's try something that you know you can use later on in the season get some in-game reps on it i'm not too concerned about that but i do think the discussion on, on the run game is worth you know a further dive um in a lot of ways, this game kind of felt like the opening of the 2020 season that came against the Cleveland Browns. Once again, you know, Lamar Jackson, three touchdown passes, the defense shuts out the opposing offense, and the three-headed running attack doesn't really work, but the Ravens won, so we're going to, you know, yep. <laughs> overlook that a little bit. It, it definitely does feel like kind of deja vu there, and hopefully in this case it'll, it'll be better because, like we said, Dobbins wasn't out there. Hopefully... Gus Edwards will be back at some point. We'll see with that. I don't think we can confidently say what Gus is going to be this year without knowing what the trainers know. But yeah, I mean, we were. I think we were really hoping that the run lanes that would look better than they did in preseason because you'd have the starters out there. And, you know, they really didn't. <laughs> and, and this is against a defense that wasn't terribly good against the run last year. Yes, they've upgraded 
um, in some areas, and we talked about. And it's very possible this defense is going to be better than it was last year. But, you know, I, I was still expecting a little more. I was expecting Mike Davis to at least, like, be able to crunch out 40 yards or so. Drake got some good carries in there, but mostly it was him creating those yards. There really weren't any holes for him to go through. It was him outrunning the defenders. So, yeah, I agree with you guys. If there's one thing that you come away concerned with in this game, I think that's the number one thing. It's just we're still not seeing the running holes in in week one after we didn't see them in the preseason. And I was a little disappointed to see no Cleveland in this game. I thought yes. that there would certainly be at least something, maybe when the game was a little bit more out of hand, give him some reps. I thought, I thought, I mean, I thought it might be a rotation. I was kind of disappointed to see that. And this is getting into like almost the worst timeline for me uh, that I discussed with Ken when I was talking about like the left guard concerns I had is that we might end up in a situation where powers plays good enough to keep the job. And we never really find out what Cleveland has in this critical developmental year for him. And like, he could be better. I mean, there's only so much you can tell from practice in my opinion. And I don't know. I mean, of course now with the left side of the line in question, you know, McCary came in and I thought that he let up a lot of ground. He didn't, I have to watch it a little bit closer. You know, like I said, we're recording on Sunday night and I'll be honest, I was watching the game more of a fan than like as the analytical podcaster today, uh, just like enjoying it with some friends and not, um, you know, same with my computer, writing down notes, you know, actually conversing with my neighbor and stuff. <laughs> so, um, I, but I did just notice he was like kind of giving up ground and I don't know. I'm, I'm if I were the Ravens training staff, I'd be like, all right, Stanley, you ready? <laughs> it's go time, baby. Like a little bit of trial by fire for him, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what they end up doing and how uh, they progress, but definitely a little bit of concerns there. I think well stated Peter that it, it had major early 2021 vibes where we're winning games sometimes even kind of dominantly but not with any kind of offensive production that felt sustainable like we scored 24 points we scored three touchdowns there was a lot of pass in there but it, it just didn't feel like there was a cadence or a rhyme or reason to any of it it just kind of occurred um and that that ain't good yeah definitely which again is something you know i don't want to read too much into week one just me personally but also it's it's easy it's not too hard to remember back to like I said, 2020, years when we've looked at some of these things in week one, we're just like, ah, it's just week one. Let's see what happens. And then they keeps becoming a thing. So it's like trying to find that fi- fine line between figuring out if it's something's an overreaction or, hey, no, no, this is uh, this is something that they need to, to clean up. So we'll see. Um, and yeah, hopefully it does get cleaned up. I think just uh, one last kind of general note that I had on the offense here was that it was really great to see uh, Duvernay step up. Um, certainly, you know, I, I don't play DFS. Um, I know you guys do, but uh, Duvernay would not have been my first option to say <laughs> the, the most consistent weapon on the Ravens offense this week. Uh, but certainly, I mean, yeah, having two touchdowns, I think this game he definitely showed that he was the, uh, you know, third receiving option behind Andrews and Bateman. You know, another guy who's had a great preseason who didn't really show too much today was uh, Isaiah Likely. You know, I think he had uh, a few uh, targets early in the game, um, just wasn't able to be able to make those. I think he had a pass where, you know, just wasn't able to kind of scoop it. It was a low pass from Omar. Didn't even be able to get that. He had another pass that was kind of broken up that just wasn't able to make a play. After that, really wasn't targeted much for rest of the game. And I know... Um, 
you know, nationally, I think he's been, you know, having a lot of, um, you know, locally and nationally, I think having a lot of praise and rightfully so from the preseason as kind of being that third target. But this game, it was really Duvernay who who really showed that he he was kind of the third target for sure. Um, so that's that's really exciting. I think there's a lot that he can kind of build off of um, for the coming weeks. I do think in general, just you know. If, if this is sort of a taste of, you know, the next couple of weeks, what the Ravens' offense is going to look like, I definitely think that uh, more deep passing is probably on the menu. Um, because not just from Duvernay, but from Bateman and also from Robinson, all three of those guys can definitely stretch the field. And it looked like that Lamar wanted to try and find them as much as possible. Oh, with that, I think we want to move on to talking about the defense. Um, again, like we said, this unit had an absolutely stellar game, kept the Jets out of the end zone for pretty much the entirety that the game was actually competitive. And, you know, it had a pretty good pass rush. We looked at that as the weakest unit of this defense coming into the season, albeit, sure, the Jets' offensive line was hurting. So you do need to take that into consideration. But uh, some really early good signs there. Uh, from guys like Justin Houston, Calais Campbell. Michael Pierce <laughs> was also uh, in the backfield quite a bit. Um, you know, it's, you, we want to see that against a better unit, sure, before we get too excited about that. But I think we also have to acknowledge that that unit performed better than expected in this game today. Oh, for sure. Interior pass rush, I think, I, I mean, I'll just say right now, I mean, those I think between Pierce, Matabuke, and Washington, like they're my MVP for this week, hands down. I mean, interior pass rush was just amazing. Um, I mean, really, and I think the, the stats don't even tell the full story. I think two sacks were reversed because yes. of penalty on the back end. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, they were just absolutely dominant. Um, and well, you did mention uh, Houston had a great game as well. I think he actually should have ended up with two sacks, but he had also had one that was called back, or one that he wasn't able to get connected. I think Joe was able to. They called it an incompletion. I think um, something like that. But Houston was dominating Noah Fant on the left side, uh, particularly in the second quarter. He looked pretty good. Um, but interior pass rush. I mean, they were just getting in Joe's face all along, and it's just it's great to see because it, you know, the players that you have. And what McDonald's doing with um, generating pass rush, in that I think you really kind of had the pocket collapsing on all sides at the same time, right? So it wasn't like you had um, all the interior guys pushing and then the outside just sort of losing contain, right? It's just everything is sort of collapsing to the point where Joe has to be able to make that throw or he's going to get sacked. Um, and I think that w- really worked well this week it was just a, a great game plan overall execution from from the pass rush but um but yeah boy it was i, I think the the interior guys i mean just i uh, just played i mean played great um and it's 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 just so crazy to me just knowing like the last like year or so uh having some of these same guys on the team it, it just it seems like everybody has kind of taken a level up this year uh is is great to see yeah, Queen looked better, Matabuke, the interior pass rush. Houston looked better. I mean, every yeah, like I I thought it looked really great. Um, the defense had me excited. The defense was definitely pretty suffocating and rallying around the ball. Marcus Williams had a great pick, obviously. You know, the wide receiver fell down, so he was <laughs> uncontested there. But, you know, just to be there, had a nice return on it. I just, I thought they had swagger. They had confidence. 
And I am extremely excited about this group. This group definitely felt like, to me, showed the makings of what could be a dominant group. Whereas the offense, I didn't really see the makings of the dominant offense. I still believe it can come. I think it can all come together and all that stuff. But when I looked at the offense, I didn't come away thinking, oh, yeah, there's definitely going to be a top 10 group this this year. It's like, well, there's a little bit of question marks and they, they have things they have to clean up and whatnot. Whereas I watched the defense swarm and I was like, yeah, there'll be a top 10, maybe top five, top three, top whatever unit. Like, I think there could be a really great unit. That is interesting <laughs> because I, I don't know. I wasn't able to take that quite that much away from it. You know, again, I try not to, to look too far into week one. You look back at 2015. Good gosh. That game against uh, the corpse of Peyton Manning, the Ravens defense looked brilliant in that game. And then you look the next three weeks after that, everything just fell off. And that secondary was absolute Swiss cheese. But And that's why I caveated what I said about the pass rush with like, yeah, they played great, but the competition, I don't know. It's just hard to gauge exactly how, how good it was. What can it really tell us about the rest of the season going forward? I think that's the kind of tough part about evaluating this game from the defensive perspective was the Jets we talked about going into this game. Oh, they've got all these weapons that can give these guys issues. They've got Elijah Moore. They've got Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis. And and those guys all got plays, Michael Carter being the most successful. But at the same time, just the Jets were not able to get into any rhythm at all to give those guys a fair shake at anything. So it's like, I don't know. I, I'm I'm just not really sure if we learned anything from the defense today beyond maybe, you know, some scheme things that the Ravens might be doing under McDonald this year. Yeah, I mean that's true. You know, kinda of going back to the top with uh you know what what I said about Flacco and that he's kind of showed the the same thing we've been seeing the last couple of years of like you get him you get you get enough pressure in his face, you get enough hits on him, you get him off his spot. It just kind of disrupts everything about him. And, you know, I can kind of see it from that angle. I, I think maybe this isn't new. I think this is kind of um, in line with what you've been hearing about of, out of camp. But um, I do think overall the defensive line group is looking like it's the strength of this team, particularly the depth, right? Because it wasn't just the starters that were having success. It was the guys that were rotating in. Actually, I don't know. I guess Matabuke would probably be considered a starter in this case. Um, but uh, Washington, obviously not. Um, but he had a good bit of success, too. Um, whoever's rotating in and out, we're having a good bit of success. I think, uh, you know, in terms of scheme, uh, I do think we saw a little bit more um, from the linebackers. Um, I know, you know, some guys who, you know, we talked about in the preseason, uh, like Harrison, maybe still not kind of like Mike material um, has some issues in, in coverage, but I mean, he was a little bit more up on the line. I think he had a few tackles early um, playing more of that uh, kind of Sam role, actually helped me a little bit more on the outside, but putting him in a, in a better position to kind of make plays uh, queen as well. I thought would had a strong game from like a pass rush perspective. He had a couple of hits on Flacco. I don't think he ended up with a sack if I recall, but he had a few hits on Flacco um, from the pass rush uh, side of things. So, you know, I do think there were some elements of that. You even saw some safety splits. I think Hamilton was in on mm-hmm. on a play, and I think Marcus Williams also had a pressure up the middle at one point as well. So um, you, you saw some like elements of, of things that you can do there. 
I do think overall, you know, just to kind of go more of a high level in in sort of the defense, I think what this game kind of showed us is that interior defensive line and I think safety play, I think by far are the Ravens' strengths right now. I thought, you know, for, for Hamilton, I think I wanted to maybe see a little bit more. I think he's a rookie. He's got to clean some things up. Um, but I thought Marcus Williams and Chuck Clark had a great game, uh, both of them. Um, obviously, Marcus with the interception early uh, looked really good. I thought his tackling was really great. He always kind of uh, seemed to be in position to be able to make plays. And it was even, you know, kind of on a couple of broken plays too, right? You know, for, for guys like Carter kind of running behind the defense and being able to get loose. It seemed like Marcus was always in a good position, like wrap up and then rally. Um, he didn't let things try to get behind him. I really kind of like that from him. Uh, and then Chuck Clark, you know, again, I think had a pretty good game overall. Um, again, solid tackler. We know that he's he's been that for the Ravens for the last couple of years. And then that one play uh, where he had the forced fumble later in the game. Great heads-up play from him, which, uh, you know, impacted the game. He also had that play later, I think, on that fourth down play where he, he was kind of channeling his inner Troy Polamalu <laughs> to, to try and jump over the line to tackle Flacco. <laughs> which was kind of funny, but uh, although maybe inconsequential. But um, but yeah, uh, as a whole, I, I think those guys played really well. I don't know. what, what uh, Did you guys see anything else, uh, any particular plays or anything that, that kind of stood out to you? I mainly just noticed how the defensive line, like you mentioned, was able to collapse around Flacco several times. I mean, I know we said that two of the sacks got taken away due to penalty, and there was three sacks on the day, but it felt like he was getting pressured and collapsed upon frequently. And that gave me a lot of warm fuzzies. Uh, the, you know, the quickness of queen to be able to rally and get to the edge and, and get the tackle, um, on that one play. I just thought queen in general looked better this game. You know, kind of saw a little bit more consistency out of his ability to either get after the quarterback or, or finish plays. I would say he just he was more consistently finishing plays that he had opportunities for rather than um, you know them slipping through his fingers or just not quite getting there. So that looked good. And um, yeah, I, I feel the same way as you, Chris, as far as Hamilton goes. You know, I have his jersey. I'm ready to like annoy him. I was, I think I'm wearing an OA jersey right now. I think I was ready for him to have like that big game like OA did, uh, you know, the first two weeks. And I, I just haven't quite, you know, seen that. You know, he had that one missed tackle. And I, the thing that's funny about him, whenever he misses a tackle, he's such a large human, so lanky, so long, that whenever he misses a tackle, you're like, man, you had so much wingspan to, to work with there. <laughs> you didn't get it. But, um, but I, I I still believe in the player. I still think he can, you know, I think he'll still be very good. It just, I, uh, like I said, I was ready to anoint him as like the next, you know, coming in and, and it hasn't quite happened yet. I will say in regards to Hamilton, I'm really glad that the Ravens, uh, did not trade Chuck Clark. Um, you know, safety's a tough yes. position to learn at the yes. NFL level. Sometimes, you know, it's, it takes players longer, you know, some t- at some positions than others it takes certain players even at the same position longer times to acclimate to the nfl than others and you know i i still think hamilton has a high ceiling he doesn't look bad to me he it just looks to me like he's still adjusting in some portions to the nfl from what we've seen in preseason in week one and you know we got to be patient uh you know we saw what happened just recently with the Orioles. You know, they called up Adley Rutschman. It took him about a month to look solid. And then, you know, right now he's looking like, I don't think I'm using hyperbole to say he's looking like an all-star player right now. Um, Agreed, yeah. So, 
We'll see what happens with Hamilton. I, I think we'll have to be a little patient with him. Um, and luckily, we've got two studs in Williams and Clark right now who, um, like we said, we're recording this Sunday night, so we've hardly had a chance to do much rewatch at all. And if you're not looking at all 22, you really can't analyze the secondary because the ball snaps and they're off the frame. So, you know, um, I'm really excited to, to rewatch and see what the safeties were doing because you, you didn't see a lot of breakdowns from it, just watching the game um, casually, right? I, I can't really think of any blown coverages that I can remember. Part of it, of course, sure, was that the Jets really weren't challenging that terribly much. But Chuck Clark and Marcus Williams, though, were in on a lot of plays Clark, I believe, forced a fumble in the first quarter. Thought he did. I'm not seeing definitely that on the forced a fumble for... eventually, but yes, it, yeah. it was like the third, third or fourth yeah. quarter. This one was forced. Yeah, was it later? Okay, yeah. yeah later um, but yeah, like like you were saying, Chris Marcus Williams made a lot of great plays. Interestingly enough, and I just I just checked this career high in tackles today for Marcus Williams. Whether you oh, want to, wow. uh, you know, <laughs> tally it by either solo or total, career high. Go figure. But. Um, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I can say about the defense this um, episode, this game, Chris, you were asking, were there any specific plays that stood out? And I'm racking my brain for it because here's the thing with the defense this game, they were just so freaking consistent. They were so consistent. That, like every drive, they were making splash plays. Every drive, they were quick to the ball, um, you know, collapsing the pocket. They had no bad drives, so it, it's you know I, I, nothing really stood out because it was all the same, you know. And I, and I don't think that's bad. I think that's actually a good thing. They, they played from start to finish a complete game on the defense, and you know I, I know I'm saying oh you can't tell that much because it was against an inferior opponent, but I do still think you know you have to acknowledge that they went out and did their job, and and they executed the assignment perfectly you can't help who you're playing but you can help how you perform against them and that's exactly what they did i'm looking forward to seeing how they do next week against miami i hope that the weather's better i hope that they get the best shake of of really challenging the defense downfield with the you know waddle and tyreek hill i just uh want to see how they handle that because i think although we are high on the Jets offensive weapons and their long-term view. I think the game conditions in week one and Flacco just, they weren't as imposing on us as I, I don't know if I would say hoped, but I just wanted a little bit more of a warm up, so to speak, or more of a more fire to the Ravens defense. So let's see how they, they go against Miami, but yeah, definitely uh, there's just, there's some really good aspects there. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, Tyree kill alone will be, more of a of a test for this defense than than anyone they played today. Um, you could argue Jalen Waddle is would also be uh, a handful, and people like to harp on Tua, but he's you know he's clean with the football. We saw that today against New England. So he's kind of like Garoppolo, honestly. He's like a yeah, good, better version that's, of Garoppolo. Yeah, that's a, that's a good good analogy. I agree with that. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be a little bit of a different game next week. Uh, there's just a couple more players, I guess I can kind of mention. Um, as far as 
a really a good game, I thought uh, this guy had, Brandon Stevens. Um, I know the last couple of preseason games, we've kind of been ragging on him a little bit, and he's been kind of picked on in, in coverage. Um, I thought he had a pretty strong game this game, was in some tight coverage, made a couple pass deflections. I thought overall looked pretty good. Uh, he might have had a penalty at some point this game. But overall, I thought he had a really great game, something to, to really build off of. Totally made me forget any of the negative stuff that he had this preseason, which I think is a great thing. As far as uh, not so good, I, I felt that um, I felt that Owe was really quiet this game. You know, for a game we were talking so much about the pass rush, I didn't really think Owe had much, if at any, impact this game, frankly. Mm. Um, you know, I think maybe... Maybe the weather conditions had something to do with it. Obviously, speed, I think, is a lot more of his forte. You're kind of limited on that a little bit. But I'd certainly like to see him have a bounce-back game uh, in Miami and subsequent weeks uh, to have a little bit more of an impact. I'll have to watch the film on that. I think I definitely saw him drop back a couple times, so I'm curious if they were using him more in coverage and more in the Sam role to see you know i want to i that's one thing in my like all 22 rewatch i'm going to pay attention to is see how they were using oa because i don't think they were rushing him um so i think that's why you didn't see him there also you're right um chris stevens got charged for the illegal contact that actually negated a six yard sack by matabuke right right yeah yeah well i will i, I will say back onto the oa point though they were definitely rushing him at some points. I mean, obviously, yeah, he was in coverage on a few plays. Um, I think there was one he was kind of, I think he was chasing Carter down the sideline. Um, mm-hmm. So I could see he might have been playing some Sam snaps there. But yeah, I just, I felt like he was just kind of getting stonewalled a little bit, maybe not using his hands effectively enough to be able to get around guys. So, and the few pass rush snaps that I did see from him. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, we, we saw, I guess, Means play a little bit outside linebacker. I didn't really see too much from him. So, you know, it's, again, back to the who are we going to play at outside linebacker uh, discussion point. We only have so many people, so, you know, I, I kind of understand that, you know, we can't get a massive production out of him every week. Um, you have to kind of regulate snaps somehow. Uh, and, again, the defense played really well overall anyway, so it's not a huge deal, but it is something that I'm looking forward to um, for the weeks to come, see more out of OA. I was a little encouraged by what I saw out of Stevens, and I do think uh, that was important, particularly with the Fuller injury at the end of the game. So he'll make, he might be getting more snaps. And it was good to see a little bit of Armour Davis. I'll have to watch the film a little closer to see how he played, but I saw number five out there, you know, and I was like, oh, look, there he is. <laughs> so I'll have to keep an eye on that. But yeah, there's a couple of plays that Stevens made that were like uh, very surprised. I heard the radio broadcast when he. Um, deflected that pass and broke it up against Elijah Moore was like enamored by what he did. <laughs> so if you that was a really that, good play. It was yeah. a great play. Yeah, it was a great play. Don't get me wrong. It's just like, I, I heard that the, the radio was pretty fun for that one. So yeah, very cool. Um, and hopefully, you know, he's, he has so many physical gifts. It'd be, a re- we were talking all off season, how he kind of got buried by all the draft picks and, and everything that was going on. We're like, what's his role? If he can, really step up and be a solid third corner, uh, you know, or maybe, maybe even number two if, if Peters isn't fully online. That will be huge for this team. I guess we'll wrap it up. I talk about our MVPs. I think, Chris, you should go ahead. You already kind of pre-declared. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I have a bunch. Uh, I would feel bad if I named them all because you guys need to go. So um, I'll pick That's my okay. top one. No, <laughs> I'll pick my top one for this week. Um, I'll pick Justin Matabuke. Uh, I'll be honest, yeah, the last couple of years, I know I've been a little bit critical of him and just have wanted to see a lot more from him. 
you know, even though he'd been receiving a lot of praise from guys like Calais Campbell as to like his improved growth year over year, I thought this game he was fantastic, very effective, uh, both in the run game um, and in pass rush. Um, just a great overall game from him. Yeah, I was I was really happy to see that from Linderbaum. But wait, <laughs> but I was really back. happy to see that from Matabuke. <laughs> that was a really really great game from him. <laughs> Linderbaum, I, I think, you know, from what I've seen, had a good game, too. We didn't talk about him, but I'm really excited to see what the guys, you know, who, who really delve into uh, the offensive line have to say about him. He, he seemed to really fight out there. But <laughs> I will be going offense for, for my MVP. And w- did this guy necessarily have the best game of, of the wide receivers out of outside of Bateman? Maybe, maybe not, but... You know, he was the one who got the red zone opportunities and he came away with them. It was two for two. Devin Duvernay, we've talked about how receiving options uh, outside of Bateman and Andrews is going to be huge, uh, a huge area for these guys to step up. And Duvernay was able to do it this week. Uh, we'll see if that continues or someone else will be there next week. But I'll give it to Duvernay this week for the MVP. I was glad to see how Duvernay made himself available in those extended plays um, and, you know, provided himself an outlet for Lamar and of course you know scoring the touchdowns is just gravy on top of that but I think the execution there was really great uh for mine I'm gonna go with Houston I honestly think that he was just a force he kept kind of collapsing the pocket and I am appreciative of that my other um kind of joke one is honestly Lamar Jackson he bailed us out a couple times on third and long uh either with his legs or just by I mean, usually with his legs in some capacity, either scrambling to find the time to find the wide receiver or um, by going and pick up the yards himself. And I just think he, you know, proved again that he's that dynamic playmaker. I kind of uh, was really happy just to see him playing again. You know, it, it had been months with the injury and no preseason games that I was just, when I was watching him play, I was like, oh man, there he is. That's our guy, you know, and that was just nice. So Gave, gave Lamar a shout out there. You know, he's still that dude. Well, thanks so much, guys, for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed week one as much as we did. We'll be back later this week with the preview of the Miami game. And then, of course, a recap. We'll both be there. Uh, me and Chris, at least, will be there. And uh, it'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to the first home game of the year. Uh, if you're going to be there, too, give us a shout out. And maybe we can hang out for a little bit before the game. You can find us at One Winning Pod on Twitter or email us, onewinningpod at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. We'll talk to you soon. Go Ravens!